Our sermon text this morning comes from Christ's own sermon on the mount uh, from Matthew 6. He said this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, I am mindful. Uh, It is a new year that's upon us. I hope that you are doing well. Uh, And it's a good, good time to start with a with a series that will connect with, uh, with all of us, and I hope that it will apply to you, to you where you live on a daily basis. Um, this is a month where we wanted to, to think about uh, marriage and family, uh, and uh, I hope that this will connect with uh, your, your married life. And uh, we want to make sure, though, we didn't uh, just hammer away at marriage for, for the whole month of January, and then those of you who are single feel somewhat awkward and kind of, well, where do I fit in here? So... Um, this series is on prayer, and so we're going to look at uh, the Lord's Prayer for the next uh, three Sundays. And so I'm asking that you would uh, join me in prayer as we, uh, as we listen to God's Word. Father, thank you for the gathered church. Father, there's a sense of anticipation uh, in this room. And that is like, like uh, no other event happening on this island. Uh, you have declared that you will be with your people Uh, as they partake uh, of the Lord's Supper and as we worship. Father, this is a unique gathering. Uh, It's like uh, no other in the the world going on. Uh, And I thank you that we can commune with you and you can uh, fulfill your promise to be with us. And so, Lord, I ask that I would not not get in the way and that the words that are are shared would be uh, from you. And we, we would all be blessed to know that you were with us today. And uh, the, the process of change would continue on. And so thank you, in Christ's name, uh, amen. Okay, the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 6. It's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. I am confident as I survey this room, uh, I know most of you here, uh, you're probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer. 
And so uh, just as, as Advent and Christmas texts are a challenge, uh, well, why not keep on the challenge going? And so we've got a text here, uh, the Lord's Prayer, familiar. Uh, but I have to confess to you that the Lord's Prayer, um, for me personally, I am uh, confident that I know how to pray, and I go off on all different kinds of subjects, and uh, I go my merry way in prayer, lots of ideas rattling around in my head. And it's interesting for me, as one who is involved in ministry on a full-time basis, it's funny for me to preach on the Lord's Prayer and to realize that this, if it is a model prayer, if it's a template for prayer, I think about my own prayers and how there is a disconnect and there's a gap between what Jesus says here and my own prayer life. Uh, Perhaps you find yourself in that observation And so I want to look at the first half of the prayer uh, this morning, and uh, then to to examine uh, the next half uh, on uh, next Sunday, and then we'll uh, we'll look at the whole thing as a big picture uh, the following Sunday. I just want to look very quickly at uh, the good news that's in the prayer itself, and that the the prayer is a framework for our prayers. Uh, If you are um, sort of uh, scattered in your in your thoughts, or you're you're you've, you're overwhelmed with the the moment that you're living in, and you feel pressure, or you're you're experiencing anxiety, and and you want to pray. Um, there might be a moment of how do I pray? Uh, some of you may recall the the crazy uh, movie Sister Act with Whoop, Whoopi Goldberg. This is back in the '90s. Um, she ends up she's uh, she's seen a, a, a crime scene in the mob, and uh, now she's being in some sort of a uh, uh, witness protection program, and so they come up with this crazy idea that s- let's make her, let's put her in a in a, a convent, and let's make her a nun uh, while she's waiting while we're waiting for the the trial to to take place. How many have seen Sister Act? You, you can confess this. That's all right. All right, good. And, and so the crazy thing is, here's this woman who doesn't belong in this place where all these nuns are, and the the first thing that happens is that she's called upon to to pray for the food. And her crazy prayer goes like this. Lord, this says, bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts which we are about to receive. Not bad. Not bad. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. We want you uh, to give us this day our daily bread and to the republic for which it stands. By the power invested in me, I now pronounce us ready to eat. Amen. Ah. That, that's, a, that's a great picture of, of prayer in the sense of uh, what subjects do I just sort of throw around? What, what, what do I say? And uh, I, I love this prayer because it reminds me of a, of a, of a statement that, that Dallas Willard uh, said. Who's, he's a professor at, of philosophy at, at USC, and I'm sure he's near retirement now. But I t- attended a seminar with him once, and here he is with all these highfalutin academics, and he's a very, very bright man, uh, author of many books. And Dallas Will- Willard, when he explains to academic people why he believes in Jesus, he, he says a very interesting thing. He says, well, uh, he's the wisest person who ever walked this earth. Who do you follow? And then it's interesting because they, 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 they're really thrown off by that. That simple, sort of humble statement about Jesus. Of course, it doesn't say everything about our Lord. But, it, but, he, but he's, what he's saying is saying, he's saying, who else can compare with his wisdom? If, and I think that we become most teachable as Christians when we are at the end of our rope, we are faced with something extraordinarily difficult, and suddenly we become teachable 
Uh, if you're ever rock climbing and you've never done it before, um, you need help putting on your helmet. Uh, everything is new, and it's amazing how teachable you are because you are now going to go up a, a, a rock cliff or go down a rock cliff, and it's amazing how, how you listen well when your life is, is on the line. And I, j just imagine if you were going to go on a major uh, rock climbing expedition or a mountaineering expedition like going up Mount Everest. Uh, imagine how you would want to get a hold of, of an expert and then uh, listen to everything they said. Well, Jesus is now introducing us to prayer because we are praying to the God of the universe. And, and what do we say? And so I want to encourage you right up front that, first of all, this prayer is a template. Uh, it's a framework, and, that, and it is shaped by our, the new agenda that God gives us as believers. If you are a Christian, you have a new nature. You have what the theologians call, re, you have a new nature, and it's regenerated. It's, it's a new, a refashioned nature. And what comes with your new nature are new desires. Now, those desires are often latent within us, and they are, they are somewhat unexperienced by us. And, but God, in his good grace, gives us a way to live out our new nature. And this prayer is really what the new nature will say. It's, 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 like, a, it's like an expression or an outline of what it looks like to be alive unto God. In many ways, Christianity is a refashioning of your humanity. When I explain Christianity to people who are, uh, who are not believers, I first start with the idea that Christianity is, is a restoration of our humanity. It's, it's a way of becoming human again. And what Jesus is doing here is he's giving us what it looks like to be a human being rescued by God's grace, adopted by our Heavenly Father. Look at these Look at these categories with me, just real briefly. First, uh, even before the prayer starts, Jesus says, go into your inner room and meet with God personally. And, and verse 6 says, at, at, there in chapter 6, and, the, and your heavenly Father who sees in secret. Ah, oh, what a beautiful thing to, a, to a, an, an impersonal age and a cynical age. You're, you're, you have a heavenly father, and he knows you. He knows your needs. He knows where you're sitting in your inner room. He knows you, and he's, he's focused on you, and he remembers you, and you are noticed. It's a deeply personal observation uh, that Jesus gives. And then all our needs are summarized in that beautiful phrase, Our Father. We have a need for community, and it's summarized in that first-person plural, Our and immediately, kings and servants are put in the same prayer. No one has an advantage over anyone else. Every tribe, every people, every individual, whatever your status, whatever you, whatever, rich or poor, our. And then this beautiful phrase. And J.I. Packer says it's the Christian name for God, Father. It, they're, they're, in the world of religions, I, I can't think of any other one that imagines God as Father. And so it's deeply personal. You could pack all your needs into that first phrase, our Father. And then, and then, then notice, hallowed be your name, and we enter into heaven itself that moment. We have an, we, we have an imagined, uh, a sanctified imagination, and we move into heaven. 
And we think along the lines of Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is, is the Lord God Almighty. And, we, and God has given us a, an image of heaven, and it certainly can be improved. But we see God hallowed, set apart. We know his holiness. Do we know it to the ultimate degree? No, 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 we don't. But we have a sense of it. And we know that it's important as, as, as a human being to see that God is set apart and holy. And if you have a high view of God, you'll have a high view of what God has created. If you have a high view of God, you will, you will care for, your, for what God has de- determined to be good. And that includes hum- human beings. It affects the way you drive. A high view of God gives you a great reverence for what God has made. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that now, now we move into, into what's beautiful about this prayer is that hallowed be your name. I want to experience more of this hallowedness. Hallowed be your name. I want this to expand into my life. I've seen something wonderful about your name. Now I want it to penetrate into my day-to-day life. That's what you're saying. I want it to expand. I want it to grow. I want it to become big. Hallowed be your name. And all the images of heaven are of people who can't say enough, of angels who cannot stop talking. This big, big view of God is beautiful. And so we move from an intensely personal view of God, my Father, our Father, and now we're going expansive. We're already up into the heavens. Look at that. In just a, a quick turn of a phrase, Jesus has described what the new nature brings. It brings an expansive view of God and the kingdom, and it's starting to grow inside you. The sacredness of God's name is beautiful to us. And then it, we move now quickly to a huge, big concept, probably the biggest concept in the Bible, your kingdom come. I want, I want it to expand, I want, and I'm leaning into it. I want to know more about it. And then we move into your will be done. And then, of course, that describes all that God has revealed to human beings, what, what God has uh, expressed in Revelation, what we, would, what we have as the scriptures. And then where is God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? It's a very unique phrase, and uh, I'm going to cover that in in a little bit. But that's very unique. That is very practical. You are praying for the day-to-day existence of people around you, your family, your coworkers. You want what heaven's experience. You want that to come down to earth. We are people who pray things down. Uh, Elijah, uh, pray pray down judgment. But the, the idea is that God... God is intersecting with this world. What a wonderful thing to keep in mind. And then, the, then now the petition of daily bread and how many areas of our, of our life. What a humble uh, request. And not a prayer for, for caviar. Uh, not, not a prayer for the uh, other side of uh, New Year's Eve. Not a prayer for champagne. It's a prayer for what? It's a prayer for humble sustenance. Uh, it's funny for me, uh, eat, eat lots of fancy food, and uh, I can, Marianne can vouch for this. One of my favorite things is a simple piece of bread and peanut butter. What's up with that? It is, it is one of the most exciting things, uh, things I can snack on. Any, anybody with me on this? There's something simple. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be elaborate. It's funny how this simple prayer for food uh, is, is summarized in that daily bread expression. And then we move into the whole world where the regenerated heart cares about forgiveness extended to others. 
Isn't that interesting? Before you were a Christian, you, this was really a, not an interesting subject for you. You weren't interested in it. But now you move into this, forgive, forgive my debts as I extend the grace of forgiveness to others. There's this connection between heaven and earth, your heart, God's heart. Things are flowing. It's really, really pretty. And then we enter into this really tough world that's very realistically described and deliver us from evil. Evil is really described in straight terms. This, is a, this world is, is, is messed up. And there is, there is sadness and deep disharmony. And, and Jesus says, pray, enter into this, enter into this spiritual realm of darkness and pray against it and pray that you would not participate with it. You see, that's what we're, we're born as eager participants in this world of evil. And now we are now desiring God's holiness. We, we've experienced freedom from evil. And so now we're praying that we would be delivered and then uh, some of you may note that in the English standard does, does not include this phrase, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And some other translations include that. So here's the deal behind that is that the earliest manuscripts that we have of the Bible and New Testament do not include that phrase. Okay, Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So the English standard, these translators chose not to include that. Uh, we generally in our in our PCA circles include that phrase. It is uh, in, in, in the Bible. So quick summary, deeply personal, a vision of heaven, adoration of God, the will of God. It's powerful, moving outward, kingdom and others, deeply honest, evil is talked about. Uh, all in the context, really, of a, of a, of a humble community of God's people who see that they need from their Heavenly Father everything. Do you have this new heart? I just gave you a quick summary of the, the kinds of things that the new heart longs for. It, do you see yourself in those kinds of things? It's a good template to remind us this New Year's Day. What am I about? What do, what do I get worried about? What do I get anxious about? What do I get upset about? Uh, you know, I, rarely, by the way, if you let, you know, I, you know, being in church work, I'm used to complaints. That's a, that's kind of a thing. We have a very, very small complaint box down in my office. But, you, um, but, but rarely do people complain about evangelism. It's interesting. Or rarely do we complain about, uh, you know, we're, we're almost always concerned about our, our, our concerns and our needs. This prayer has room for our needs, but it expands outward, expands outward. Do you have that new heart? Uh, Tertullian is a, a church father from years and years and years ago. And Tertullian, he said of this prayer, it's very interesting, he said this. He said that this prayer, and this is a translation into English, he says, this prayer is trying on the future. That what you're doing is, you're, when you say, hallowed be your name, I want to know what that's like. I want to experience more of that. And when you say, your will be done, I'm leaning into that. That's where the future is going. I want, I want it. Uh, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where the future is going. Heaven and earth are, bec are, are becoming one. That, and so what Tertullian's saying is, what we're doing is we're leaning into the future, we're trying it on, and, and we're sort of trying out our hope. We're exercising, what does it look like to be a hopeful people? So uh, 
Very quickly, the kingdom takes second, uh, center stage in this prayer. Uh, the kingdom has this extraordinary capacity to grow in us. And the heart, the heart of the believer is getting larger. To pray, Lord, your kingdom is better than anything I could imagine. Uh, Paul Tripp wrote a whole book uh, about the idea of this great kingdom. And it's an extraordinary kingdom and very convicting about how much I am praying for my kingdom. Uh, and this world is a transient kingdom. There's, if you want to look at the ancient world, you can find a, a, a lot of the ancient world in just museums now and coins and uh, bowls that were left behind in uh, amphitheaters or coliseums. Or, but you can see all that world, but that world is passing away. And it's important that we pray for this kingdom. And in the book of Acts you actually find people with a kingdom vision. What, what are they like? So if you'd like to read a great book in the Bible this month, in January, or just any time you have, read the book of Acts and watch and read it with the template, well, what's the kingdom doing here? And watch what happens, because that is kingdom, kingdom literature. Um, so the prayer is essentially a way of adoring God, it's, it's a manifestation of adoration to God, but it also perfectly demonstrates the book of Proverbs that says uh, the beginning of wisdom, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? This is really a, a, a beautiful, poetic, even, expression of the fear of God. The fear of God is saying, Father, your kingdom is now my desire, and I have learned the lesson of my rebellion. I never wanted your kingdom. I never wanted your will. And now I am humbly submitting myself to your agenda. I don't know if you've ever been around someone uh, who has experientially, uh, they've experienced a lot of, of open rebellion to God's will. Okay? Uh, hopefully our children grow up and they can read about it in the Bible. Uh, they might hear stories about your rebellion, uh, and, and they would learn, and they have a heart of wisdom, and they don't have to experience that to be taught. But there are people who become so overwhelmed and uh, with their, the consequences of, of these choices. And then what happens is God in his good grace, they become believers. And it's beautiful to watch what happens, is they are deeply submissive people. They are suspicious of themselves, and they are eager to bring the kingdom to bear in more and more areas of their life. Because experientially they're saying, oh, I know what it's like to try and build a kingdom for my own. And then there's this beautiful connection between the kingdom and God's will. They really are kind of synonymous terms. Uh, and, and, and this leads us then to this idea that your will would be done, and, and the, the phrase just sticks with us. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So finally, this is the, the challenge for us. Do we think, do we think of heaven how much do we think of heaven? We are actually called in this prayer to be very heavenly-minded people. And what we see in heaven is we see the freedom of souls. We see the freedom of people who are now um, able to express themselves without sin impacting their worship. And we see, this, this, we see an image 
of human freedom, and, and we see the joy of, of, of heavenly worship. And so the uniting of heaven and earth is actually a quest for joy to invade all uh, areas of this earth. Heaven is a glorious place where the will of God is willingly, lovingly, eagerly done. And this earth is a place where God's will is resisted. And so, uh, whose heart this morning is taken up with a vision of heaven, and then you pray for that that vision of heaven to come and invade your kitchen table, come and invade the place you work, come and invade the words you use. In other words, imagine conducting yourself as if you were before the throne of God. This is an idea that comes from Francis Schaeffer in his book, True Spirituality. And just imagine that you're conducting your life before the throne of God. And then, and now just think about that. Think about how the words you would say, the kind of attitudes you would have toward people. And so in the end, uh, this prayer, it, it, it drives us to see that we are restored in our humanity. We are growing in our new restoration. And then we also see that the kingdom of God is being manifested among us We are the new humanity, and this is not too far of a stretch to say that we are a signpost of what the kingdom looks like in the future. We are a future people on display now. When Jesus says, your kingdom come on earth as is in heaven, let's ask the question, what's happening on earth that's like heaven? Uh, now you could uh, go down to your favorite coffee shop and say, well, this is where, this is where heaven happens. Uh, you could go to the mall and say, well, this is where heaven happens. You could go wherever you find your great heartfelt pleasure. You may say, well, that, that's, that must be what it's like. And the answer is, of course, no. The answer is, when God's people gather, what is worship? I want to ask you, where are you now? See, I hope uh, you don't, uh, I'm sorry you're stuck looking at my face, I'm I'm sorry, Uh, but I want you to sense, is Jesus speaking as our king through the Bible this morning, is he going to feed you this morning? What's the taste? The taste is of of, of freedom, of, 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 of heaven. When you worship, when we are gathered, we are saying, heaven, come down. You've already, by the way, You've already spoken to angels in this worship service. Praise God, to whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures, where? Here below, this is the heaven earth language. And then praise him what? Praise him above, ye heavenly what? Host. You were talking to angels. Were anybody aware that you you did that during the service? That's what you did. You said in that doxology that heaven is so glorious... And and if I'm just tasting of a bit of the glory, then you in heaven who are freed from sin, you go. You do it. Get going. You praise him, heavenly host. Now, when we gather today, there's a drama going on. The Lord of glory, the Lord of all time, our God, meets with us. And what does he bring with us, with, with him? He brings a taste 
of glory. Now, it's not enough that you hear it. God, in his love, says, I want you to taste it. I want you to really taste it. And so now we have a meal. And God wants you to see the elements of of heaven itself secured for you by Jesus Christ. You are secure in the love of this God forever and ever and ever. Come to this table, uh, perhaps uh, sorrowful, uh, perhaps joyful, whatever your state Our God calls you to this table to taste of his heavenly goodness to you. And it will continue to expand and expand and include others and others and others until the end of this age. That's how we ought to pray. Let's pray. Father, the, the gathered church is a signal to the world. It's a signpost that you've touched down, that you really, really came. And you, you, you are committed to heaven merging with earth. And Father, we are part of this extraordinary drama. As crazy as this is, Lord, you are saying we hold that forth before our friends and family. We hold forth the future in how we act, what we believe, what we think. Lord, what an awesome responsibility, but what an extraordinary privilege. Thank you for teaching us how to pray as kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen.